Hello, my name is Nicole Van Gelder, and I want to welcome you to Choosing Happily Ever After, a podcast that focuses on values and practical tools that help us to have peace, joy, and confidence so that we can create our own happy homes and lives, no fairy godmother required. What a strange time it is that we're living in. Obviously, the pandemic and everything that's happened recently makes it a unique time in history. But even right now, you know, 2020 is behind us. And in many ways, normal life has returned or is returning in most places. But it's not quite there yet. We want it to be. (laughs) You know, I think pretty much all of us are ready to have quote-unquote normal life return, but instead we're stuck in this transition. We're not fully out of one season. We're not fully into the next, and I don't know about you, but I hate transition times. I want to be fully in or fully out. Transition is messy, it's uncomfortable, and it requires patience. (laughs) To do it well, you have to be engaged even before things are the way they're supposed to be. I love fresh notebook pages. I love new journals. I love the beginning of a new school year and all the fresh supplies. I love a new month, a new week. Like I love fresh, clean slates, new beginnings. I love in my mind being able to try to figure out how something is supposed to be and then try to get it to be that. The problem is that usually... (laughs) There isn't a going from one thing to the next completely. Normally there's transition. Normally it's a process to get something to be the way that it's quote unquote supposed to be, right? This last week we actually had a piece of furniture delivered. We had ordered it in the spring and it had an estimated delivery date in May. (laughs) And then of course crickets, we hear nothing. Um, It's slightly past May. When we ordered it, it was the midst of us doing some small projects around our house. We were organizing everything. We were getting everything really clean. And this was going to help with the process of kind of creating for part of our house, making it into what we envisioned it could be. It was part of the finishing touches. By the time we got the notice, though, that it was actually going to be delivered, I almost didn't want it anymore. I had learned to live with the project unfinished. I wasn't sure if the furniture was worth the price that we had to pay for it anymore, but we had already paid a portion of the cost, and because we wouldn't be able to get that back, we went ahead and had it scheduled, and when it arrived, it was beautiful, and I was so excited by this point. You know, at first, I wasn't sure I still wanted it, but then once I knew we really didn't have, you know, much of a choice... I had warmed to the idea again and I began getting excited and I was thinking about the other like small finishing touches in the room that it would go in that we still needed to do and I was getting motivated about that and about some of the possibilities. I was imagining the end result in my mind because of budget and moving and just you know having small kids for so long in our house and dogs and so on. Most of our married life, Jamie and I have spent making minimal furniture purchases. And when we did buy furniture, it was with utility in mind. So it was solving the problem. (laughs) A child needs a bed. We need something to put clothes in. 
whatever the case would be, utility was the primary purpose in mind when we made our choice, utility and budget. So it's only been recently that we've actually moved beyond that to begin purchasing not just things that we need, but things that we love. So they're things we need that fulfill a purpose, but we don't just buy the cheapest option <laughs> to fulfill it anymore. We try to get things that we are going to want to keep for a while, that we're going to feel good about, that help to make our house beautiful. As I began to imagine this piece of furniture, it felt really good. It was exciting. You know, I felt like I was becoming a real adult. <laughs> but unfortunately, as it was being delivered, Jamie noticed that it was broken. The part that was broken was in a lower corner. It wasn't immediately obvious. And to be honest, if he wouldn't have been there, there was a good chance that I would have just lived with it. Like the broken part would have bothered me, but I would have accepted it because the process had already been so long and the furniture was finally here. I didn't want to have to start that process over again. Who knows when or if we're ever going to get this piece of furniture now. We've already been waiting for it for so long. But <laughs> thankfully, Jamie was there and being the wise man that he is, he made the decision to send it back. We had used a good portion of our budget to buy it and we had waited for so long that instead of those being a reason just to accept the furniture when it finally came, those were actually reasons to send it back. This was going to be a central piece of furniture that we were going to see every single day in our home and it really wouldn't make sense to have gone through all of this process just to have a piece that was broken, to just accept the brokenness. It's interesting to me that I was so tempted to live with it like that. It speaks to me about a lot more than a piece of furniture. And I've been wondering what other areas in my life I've been willing to live with brokenness. It's so much easier in some regards, or it feels easier, to live with something being broken because the process of making it whole can be daunting. It can take time, it can be painful, it can be uncomfortable, but we often don't realize that living with the brokenness actually costs more in the long run. It's not that brokenness doesn't bother me, by the way. I have a strong value for things not just not being broken, but being the way they're supposed to be in my mind, being their best, you know, being organized, being maximized. But I'm going to be honest, it's a lot of work to live this way a lot of work to have high standards. Have any of you ever worked hard to get something cleaned or organized and then been amazed at how quickly it falls apart? There was a time not that long ago when every cabinet and drawer and everything in our house was as organized as it could be. And we're a family of 10, ranging in age from three up to our 40s. <laughs> and so this was a big process to get this way. We have a lot of stuff, even though I try to minimize it, and we homeschool, and so there's a lot of things that go into our home and into our family life, and so this was quite a process, and it felt so good to have everything organized, and I'm going to tell you that even though we still have the foundation of organization, and I've been really working at teaching the kids to keep things organized, to put stuff away when they're done, to maintain it. It is definitely not the way that it was, and it wasn't that long ago. It can be discouraging when things 
fall apart so quickly. But I've learned that as a mom, I have to be okay with and even embrace a certain amount of chaos and mess because it's part of life. You don't get a home filled with life without it. You can get a home with people in it, but people that don't have permission to really live, right? Being too concerned about messes steals joy, it robs relationships, and it reduces me to a crabby nag, if I'm going to be honest. And this is not good for me, and it's certainly not good for the people I live with. So learning to live with the mess of life and at the same time upholding a standard that treats our home and one another with care and respect has been important to me as a mom. It's been an important step of my journey. And I will tell you that I have learned to embrace chaos and live with messes much more than I used to. But part of that is just because of the wisdom I've learned and the cost I've realized of trying to eliminate messes and how it's much more costly to relationships sometime or to quality time. But there's also something else that I've learned along the way. I've learned that it's much easier to address external messes than internal ones. So I'm going to say that again. It's much easier to address external messes than internal ones. And I've learned more than that even that it's when my inner world is in disarray that I am most uncomfortable with and focused on controlling my external environment. In other words, I'm much crabbier about a messy home when I'm actually messy inside. When I'm at peace inside, then I can tackle even the biggest messes externally with grace. Then I can accept them. I can embrace them even. Sure, we have to clean them up at some point, but they don't throw my world off. When I can't tolerate the mess inside of me, but I'm not willing to address it, then I focus on external circumstances, including people, and I try and control the people and circumstances around me, hoping that it will bring me the peace that I'm lacking internally. The problem is that it doesn't. It might appear that it does for a little while, but that peace is temporary and it's superficial. It reminds me of a passage actually in Jeremiah 6 where it says, For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. Obviously, this is in a specific context, so you might be wondering what it has to do with my broken furniture. <laughs> but before I tell you, I'm going to share another experience that I had recently. For three nights in a row, a couple of weeks back, I had dreams that I remembered the next day, and I can still remember them. They would come to mind throughout the day after I would have them, and I really felt like the Lord was trying to say something to me through them, but I couldn't understand what it was. It did feel like it was important and it began to drive me crazy because I just couldn't figure it out and it felt like the dreams were like nagging at me. They would come to mind and I'd be pondering them. Plus, on top of that, even though I was sleeping, obviously, because I'm having these dreams, I wasn't waking up feeling rested. These dreams, you don't need to know the details, but what I will tell you is that it was pretty clear that they were pointing to some kind of process that I was going through or was going to go through. As time passes, I'm continuing to have dreams each night. I'm becoming worried that I'm doing something wrong or making a wrong decision. 
There were certain steps that I was taking in life, things that Jamie and I were beginning to dream about. I was beginning to plan for what my fall would look like at work and at home. And there was just these things that I was starting to put into place and I began to lose a lot of confidence. Talking about them with Jamie several times, I'm just trying to process. And one time as we were talking, it became apparent. The Lord was certainly speaking to me about a process that I was or would be going through one that I was going to be cleaned up. There was a messiness factor to it. There was something that was going to be addressed. But instead of being fearful or, or being paralyzed because of it, I realized that these dreams were a gift. They were showing not to stop what I was doing, not to make me afraid that I was making the wrong choice, but that as I was going to continue my journey, that the Lord would be with me and that he'd be addressing something in me. That there was something that was going to be cleansed. Maybe there was healing that was going to be happening. Maybe he was going to be addressing some mindsets that I had so that I would match his mindset instead of having a worldly one. So the point wasn't that I was doing something wrong or needed to change my ways, but that I needed to recognize and stay open to the process. To keep going in the midst of it. To know that it was the Lord, that he was with me and he was the one who was guiding this process. These dreams have been such a gift to me, and they have renewed my desire and determination to stay open to what the Lord's trying to say to me, to what process is needing to happen. They've kept me open and determined to be willing to grow and change. Because here's the thing, in my opinion, (laughs) growing is hard. It's uncomfortable. But when we don't change, well, then we go back to that passage in Jeremiah. Then we live with a superficial peace where there's all kinds of junk on the inside, like where the system is rotten, where maybe our values are off. Maybe we're seeing things incorrectly. We have maybe, you know, sin issues in our life or we, you know, we're just not making the right choice or maybe we're living in fear and so we're not stepping out where we're supposed to be or You know, there's a million different things it could be, but instead of addressing the core issues, we say, peace, peace. We create a superficial peace. We create order around us, but not in us. You know, how many of us have been tempted to make drastic changes in our lives long-term as the pandemic is ending? Some of this is good because last season, priorities have been reset. Dreams have awakened. But some of it is not good. Some of it is because we have been shut off from the world and we've discovered that life is easier. Not going to work is great because you don't actually have to relate to the people that you work with. Getting groceries delivered is fabulous because you don't have to go anywhere. You get to stay in the bubble of your own home. You don't have to talk to strangers. Maybe even big steps, like we're going to move someplace, we're going to work remotely, and we're going to move to the place of our dream, the place we've vacationed at, and now we're going to live there, and our life is going to be a continual vacation. I think there are some great things that have come from this past terrible season, but I do also think there's a caution, and the caution is to not create external structure without making the changes internally. External structure is superficial and it will not last without internal structure to support it. So in this transition season, it's the perfect time to go through the hard work of creating our ideal life, both internally and externally, and with the emphasis on the internal structure. 
This isn't going to be easy. It's going to require engagement in a process that will require us to be honest with ourselves. <laughs> we have to listen to the Lord and maybe others with open hearts. We need to not allow defensiveness to protect ourselves, but instead we need to keep our hearts soft and trusting. And also we need to recognize that we're worth it. We are worth the process. We are worth not living with brokenness. We don't need to live with brokenness. In fact, we should be bothered by brokenness in our lives because we were created for wholeness. And not only were we created for wholeness, but then Jesus died to restore it to us. Now I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to close this with an invitation to you to join me on this journey. I don't know what areas in your life the Lord's addressing. How on earth could I when I barely understand what he's addressing in me? <laughs> but I do know that he's doing something because he always is. And that is actually a great thing. Don't be dismayed by the fact that you go from process to process. It's good. It's a result of the fact that the Lord finds us worthy of investing in. He leads us and guides us and comforts us and teaches us all with the aim of bringing us into who we were always meant to be healthy, whole, like him, and able to be wholly connected to both him and others. One of the hardest parts about this is to simply say yes to the process, to be willing to stop hiding and open ourselves to him. And I'm going to ask you to do that with me on the journey, to, to commit right now to whatever it is that the Lord's addressing internally, that you'll stay open that you'll follow him, that you'll trust him, and that you'll stay engaged even in the transition. All right, I'm out of time, but I want to thank you for joining me today. I'm going to be praying for you this week. I'd love to hear what fruit comes from you saying yes to the Lord. So find me on social media and send me a message. Otherwise, I will so look forward to being back here again with you next week. Blessings. Have a wonderful week.